I'm Danielle Panabaker and I'm on Below the Belt. Love it. Thank you. The Below the Belt show is closed caption for the hearing impaired. It is now time for the bad boys of Baltimore. Pips up. Goes down. That's right. It's time for another episode of BTB Below the Belt Show in the Mother Effing House. I'm your host, Al Soto, aka Celebrity Soto, your host with the most here for your weekly pleasure. My God, wow, Kachi, what an incredible past few days for myself and you. Below the Belt Show for the first time as a solo outlet gets accepted into the one of the most pre- prestigious festivals, the Tribeca Festival. And uh, it was only called Tribeca Film Festival but because there's a lot more involved with the festival, like immersive virtual reality and uh, talks and, um, you know, live events. They uh, renamed it to Tribeca Festival, I believive, effective last year. But, uh, Chazi, this was your first Tribeca experience. And, and what did you think? My first? Yeah, I, mean, I think it's even better than the White House Correspondence Dinner now. Oh, holy yeah. smokes. I do, a, I do. That is a true. That's a tall order. I mean, that 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 the White House correspondence already set the bar. It did and, during the Obama years, but not in recent years. No. But you're actually calling this particular amazing festival um, even better than the WHVD. Um, that's yeah, a bold yeah. statement. Oh yeah, um, yeah. So, it's always a great time in New York and. You know, from all the different um, movies that we saw, like I really enjoyed them. It was definitely something different. You know, you know, you're not, you're not going to go there and watch like Fast X or any of those kind of bullshit movies. Yeah, you know, these are <laughs> really good quality movies, like, like oh, very yeah. unique from the ones that we saw. Like it, it's it's some fresh air, I think. You know, it, it's definitely what's lacking in you know Hollywood right now is you know these types of original movies like you know i gotta see any That's sequels right. i didn't see any reboots i didn't see any other kind of bullshit it's just <laughs> you, you know this yeah. yeah it's just you know just fresh new ideas for movies yeah. well, let's talk about some of the films that we enjoyed and the events we enjoyed mm-hmm. um so we get into town saturday the first event is the bucky fucking dent <laughs> yeah. feature film directed by dave the and it's actually based by a novel by the company that was published in 2016 now, whether the story is autobiographical, supposedly it feels biographical, um, but it's uh, in the summer of 1978. So obviously, um, that's not Dave the Covey's uh, heyday years. Um, 
or maybe it is. I don't know. Uh, I don't know how old Dave Duchovny is, but uh, maybe he he is kind of um, the inspiration for the younger son character is when his is in his youth in the seventies, perhaps. I mean, it's very possible that's the case, but uh, it's a very heartwarming film about um, a very emotional. That's right. Um, about a father and son. Um, David Duchovny playing the father. The son uh, played by um, Logan Marshall Green, and Dave Duchovny's character has terminal cancer, and yeah, yeah, and he's um, a diehard Red Sox fan. So anytime the uh, the Red Sox uh, lose, he gets really stressed out, really pissed off. But every time that he gets sicker, Sox, yeah, he gets sicker. So that's not a good thing. Wow. So the son, played by uh, Logan, Marshall Green, decides to fake some wins for the Red Sox um, by even uh, hiding his newspapers or, um, you know, doctoring his newspapers to say yeah. that the Red Sox won. Yeah. Old school Photoshop. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and old even school Photoshop. Yes. He had the paper boy involved. He had the, you know, um, the father's friends involved, everybody, you know, yeah. got involved to try to do a ruse to make them think that the Red Sox kept on winning. But yeah, so so this takes place in the year where the Red Sox went to the World Series, um, you know, and before that it had been like 100 years or whatever before they went. So very similar you know, to your cubbies in Back to the Future, right? Yeah. Yeah. So being a diehard um, Red Sox fan, um, you know, was a big deal, you know, for this character, yeah. you know, especially, you know, trying to live long enough to see them win. <laughs> right. And we won't get too spoiler about the, the ending, yeah. but uh, they do go out and watch a game together as father and son. And um, the title comes from a Yankees baseball player named Bucky Dent. And um, that's where the title comes from. And I guess it will be more clear as to where the fucking comes from. The Bucky fucking Dent. <laughs> Uh, which is uh, pretty funny. Um, so that was um, the first carp that we covered, Chachi. So immediately after that, we got to go to the next one, right? Yeah, Bucky Dent's still alive. He's 71 years old. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. So a real real baseball player is, you know, takes aspects of real history, real um, baseball history. So exactly. Really cool. I would be surprised if um, David Duchovny doesn't get some type of award for this movie. Yeah, it was a fantastic film, and um, we actually talked. I know. He, yeah, I know he had so much range on him to um, to pull this off. But yeah, he did great. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Duchovny is you know he's a proven uh, veteran actor with, with the X Files. Yeah, but he does X Files and stuff. But I mean, talking about you know this is like a super emotional role. Yeah, not every actor can pull this kind of role off, and I think yeah. he did a great job with it. Yeah, I agree with that. He did a fantastic job, and uh, um, we got to talk on the red carpet with Stephanie Beatrice, who plays the nurse that's taking care of David Cumney's character, right. and a very, very important uh, lead role in the film, as well as the two producers. Um, sadly. We did not get to talk to David Company, so that was like one of the first bummers of the. Uh, we were next. We were next, but he had to get pulled into um, premiere, so we never got yeah. a chance to talk. In fact, I'm I am talking to the PR to hopefully um, get um, that interview uh, with David Company, hopefully at some point. But uh, great. we yeah. will see. We will see. So Chachi, that's the first event, right? And we uh, and thank God, by the way, that the smoke has cleared. The uh, Oh, God. That damn. 
Canadian wildfire. I mean, it basically looked like the movie Dune in New York. That's like a few days ago. It was the same thing here in Baltimore during the same time. Um, and last Thursday, it was probably even worse in Baltimore than it was in New York. But luckily, by the time we got there Saturday morning, all the smoke had cleared. And you could yeah, thank God. really see all the honeys walking around New York City oh, easily. Easily that, with that no smoke. Wasn't that one of the other highlights? Right. Oh, my God. That was like the highlight. And I, I don't do well with the smoke, Chachi. I keep talking. I keep coughing. And uh, yeah. it won't, uh, it won't uh, be too audible during this uh, podcast tonight. But uh, right after that, Chachi, we go to the next red carpet where you conducted the particular interview that we're featuring tonight. That's right. We go to the Millie Vanilli red carpet. This is the newest documentary feature film, which basically gives the true story. I mean, um, this kind of uh, paints the surviving member of Millie Vanilli, um, Fabrice Morvan, in a positive light. Yeah. And um, it was very emotional, wasn't it, Chachi? It was good. It It was a great documentary. And like, you know, there was one years ago on VH1, like a short one, like Behind the Music, which I remember watching back in the day and thought was great. I mean, it's a real interesting, interesting story. And like a lot of people, a lot of young people probably don't even know about Millie Vanilli or know the, the story behind this. But this is a great story for any kind of music fan um, out there, you know, whether you live through the 80s and 90s and stuff or not. Well, but like, give a little lesson for the younger audiences as far as what Millie Vanilli went through. Basically, Millie Vanilli, like, um, there were a couple of guys who I, um, I believe it was Germany. Was it Germany? They um, grew up in Germany. One was from France. Yeah. France, right, right. So they um, became friends, and they were dancers, kind of like backup singers, um, over in that side of the world, you know. But they wanted to become big pop stars, and they, you got noticed, you know, they were like, you know, some of the few like um, black people with dreads over in that region, you know. You got to figure Germany and France. Probably not a, a ton of people that look like them. You know, they're in shape, good-looking guys. They um, could dance. They were stylish. So, yeah. So they already had the look. Girls all over them. Yeah, the girls all over them. They already had the look back then. So they ended up getting, um, you know, approached by people over there. They came out with one song, "Girl, You Know Is True." Um, but they were planning on singing on the song, but the um, producers had other plans, and they used. Um, vocals from other people and passed it off as Millie Vanilli. And then Millie Vanilli yeah. gets signed um, off of that song over here in America. And it was the same thing. Like they were not allowed to sing. They wanted to sing, but they signed contracts and they were both, you know, pretty broke living over there. Like one was even like homeless yeah. for a couple of weeks and there's no way they could really get out of their contract. They still wanted to be big stars and they were still hoping to sing, but then they had to um, go along with this ruse of, lip syncing at, at their shows. And for me, like I never thought it was that big of a deal because even today you have um, people that oh, go on yeah. tour. Yeah, like uh, Britney Spears. Yeah, Britney all. Spears. Yeah, I saw Britney Spears in Vegas before and she lip synced the whole entire show, you know, and and However, she's, a great, she's a great dancer. But it, it was, yeah, it was originally her voice, but... Yeah, that's originally her voice. That's the big difference. Even so, like, even nowadays, like, you say it's her voice, but it's so auto-tuned and, you know, changed up and everything and altered. Like, it's not their, maybe the base of it is their voice, but it's, it doesn't sound like what their voice would sound like if they were singing live. Because it's just so, like, like that. 
what happened with Milli Vanilli wasn't like such a huge deal, I don't think, but like they became extremely popular. Um, they won a Grammy for their best new artist, which was huge, which, um, you know, they're, um, yeah. and they were really emphasizing the fact that these guys, best new artists who did not even yeah. sing a single note on right. their hit record, which is right. Crazy. And the producers and the producers and stuff. And like, they're, were they a manager? I guess they didn't want didn't want them to um, get submitted for um, consideration yeah. for Grammy. But but what happened was not everybody knew that they weren't on there singing. So was it was it their agent that submitted it or something? Like um, yeah, it was one of their agents. Yeah, one of their agents submitted it, thinking he was doing a, a good a good deed because he but, believed in them. But but his other know. management had objected right. to that. Right, because they knew that he, they weren't really singing, and they didn't want to get found yeah. out. And, and and they had a thing before where they were singing live, and like, I guess back then they actually used like a record to lip sync to um, at their concerts, and the record started skipping, um, you know, and they tried to play it off, and they had to run backstage. So, but you know, when it was when you know, and I don't want to give away everything, so when you watch the documentary, you'll find out all the um, intricate yeah. details about it. But you know, when they were found out that they weren't the singers. They took the brunt of everything um, and like the management, you know, and stuff didn't really um, get any kind of, um, you know, blowback from the public. So these two poor guys. And that's how the documentary was 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 shot in a way to kind of give sympathy to to the guys, uh, in particular, um, Morvin, that Morvin, who. uh, Yeah. Um, it's still alive, thank God. Yeah, and He's Rob, actually, Rob Vanelli, he like, I mean, yeah, you guys figure you deal with like a ton of depression after this. He got, oh yeah, hooked on drugs, and he ended up passing away in the '90s, like the late '90s, unfortunately. Um, Unbelievable, right? But you know, it, it's always the kind of public, and it's how the public is. They act like, I can't believe they did this. I can't believe they did this. Okay, well, you right. know what? If you were, if you were a young guy and you wanted to become a star, and this was your dream, and they offered it to you, and you got stuck in a contract you could not get out of or you would get sued you'd all do the same thing as, as Mo vanilli did so like you know people want to act all high and righteous or whatever but you know the, y'all would have did the same thing you know but people act like oh how did vanilla ice get out there and like um you know a lot of people thought that he was a joke or whatever he just did the same thing yeah. that other people would have did like um yeah and it was revealed during this documentary chachi that fab could actually sink Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, they, they showed him in some. They showed some like, concerts. Yeah, and this thing, they, they had a concert footage at the end of the, uh, the documentary, yeah. a more recent one. I, yeah. And we were lucky enough to get invited to uh, the official after party, and we talked oh, yeah. to Fab. And I, I walked up to him and said, "Dude, dude, you can sing. Dude, oh, yeah. you sort of sang from the very beginning. Uh, why, why, you know, why wasn't that the case? You know, and uh, basically, you know, saying, saying, you know, no, they wouldn't let me. They wouldn't let me. You yeah. know." Uh, well, they so, had strong uh, accents back then. Like their English is right. not as good as it as it is um, now for um, Fab, but and Fab had improved his his accent over the years, right? He did, he did, he did. But right. I mean, just really humble guy, really nice guy. It was really cool to get to meet him and hang out with him and interview him. Um, yeah. Definitely like a, um, I mean, there's at one point in time like like they were the biggest act in the world, you know, oh, yeah. Vanilli. You know, had a ton of number one hits. Um, we're going to play one later on tonight um, yeah. for the classic cut. But right. it, really and, cool story. And it should be coming out, um, I believe it's in November on Paramount Plus. So if you have Paramount Plus, um, yes. you get to see it. So even if you don't know the story or you never even heard of Mo Vanilli, like just 
watch it's, it's a cool it's a cool music um documentary and it's i think really, you'll enjoy it it's really emotional it really definitely tugs at the heartstrings and not There's only that are great we drinks at that party too oh my god the, the party dude wow yeah, the party was great fantastic they had passed around hors d'oeuvres and uh um, you know, since we're doing some coverage, the bartender is really, really cool, keeping our gear behind the bar. Yes, yes. We well, got to enjoy ourselves, and we we stayed for the duration of most of the party, didn't we, Chachi? We did. Yeah, we were pretty worn oh, out. Cause we got there. Yeah. Yeah. We got so early to come from Baltimore into New York, and then like you know, hit a ton of traffic getting into the city. But it was a long day, but it was definitely worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And um, not only are we going to be hearing the classic cut that you chose, Chachi, we're going to hear an exclusive interview, our first Tribeca interview with Fab Morvan and the director of Millie Vanilli. Wow. They did an interview in tandem, right? Yep. Yeah. His name is Luke Corum. And uh, we talked to Luke, um, the one only surviving member of Millie Vanilli. Fab Morvan, Fabrice Morvan. So that was um, Saturday night. So the next day, we get to go to a film that was directed by the one and only Steve Buscemi. And it starred Tessa Thompson, although Tessa Thompson was not on the red carpet. Steve Buscemi was. And guess what, guys? BTB got the interview with Steve Buscemi. Yeah, so many great movies of the years. I mean, he was oh the star God. of Boardwalk Empire, that, that series. Um, Mr. Pink on Reservoir Dogs. Um, oh yeah. And the Big Lebowski, like, like you know, just Big and a super nice guy, right? Super nice guy yeah. for being more, such a big star. More recently, he collaborated with Pete Davidson on the, the King of Staten Island and Bup Kiss. Right. It's new show on Peacock. And this is his fifth directorial um, effort. And um, the film is about Tessa Thompson as um, a volunteer for a crisis helpline, listening to listening to people talk about their issues, you know, okay. um, from teenage runaways and abusive relationships to a veteran experiencing PTSD. Um, and uh, what's interesting about this film, they don't cut away to the callers. The entire film is just focused on Tessa taking these calls. So, really? All the other actors do the voiceover. So that was really interesting. So Chachi, I, we actually, I do kind of wish it was a uh, sex hotline instead. If you're starring oh, on Tessa Thompson, wow. you know? <laughs> yeah, that's it. They, a, they, they don't have those anymore. <laughs> no, man, the internet's too good now. No, no. You, you, you don't need that no. anymore. <laughs> you, used to, you used to get charged. Um, anybody growing up in the 80s, 90s knew that you used to have commercials <laughs> nonstop where they would charge you like, I don't know, it was like five dollars the first minute and like nine oh cents these additional minute and like they would like have these hot girls on the commercials and you know damn well you're calling up you weren't getting those girls did you ever get in <laughs> trouble with your parents making those calls no i never called those. I, I never i never yeah i never called those calls like i out of curiosity i've made yeah. a couple calls yeah i called like the wrestling hotline i, and I, I, yeah, called, I called some <laughs> children's hotline and like um a sesame street one i, I called santa claus well as a yeah. kid i called the santa claus hotline um yeah every day not knowing that it, it costs money <laughs> because I got the I got the I'm number from an ad in the mall. I don't know. It was like it might have came to like thirty dollars, which back then and to my parents oh, with a lot of money that they could have killed me. You got yelled. I'm just calling up listening to Santa Claus bullshit every fucking day before Christmas. <laughs> and they keep you on. They try to keep you on. Like even like with the wrestling hotline, they'll be like, All right, we're gonna give the results of the pay per view right now, but first we're gonna talk about this bullshit for like five minutes before we tell you what you're called to hear. <laughs> the kids today have it easy. 
They do have it easy. Get so. Any kind of information they need at the, you know, touch of their fingers on their phone. So, so Chacha, we opt not to view the listener. Right. We get, We're we running around a lot. Yeah. We were running around. We didn't eat much um, the previous night, so we decided to not watch uh, the listener, even though it would have been nice to watch it. We only had a few hours of a break. Yeah, we'll see you later. Before we saw, my gosh, my current TV crush, that it was only exuded by oh my God. an amazing oh. interview. Aaron Moriarty. Oh, my God. Starlight from Amazon's The Boys. She's as beautiful yes. as she is. I starlight on TV. She um, might be even more beautiful in person. She was super kind and nice. She gave us a nice interview where some we had some hecklers t- uh, telling us, uh, um, "Hope you liked your 30-minute interview, you assholes." Because apparently, apparently, she didn't have enough time to greet the fans because she was talking with uh, the people in the press line. But you know what? What's the pose of fans? I don't, I don't know. There actually were fans waiting, but yeah, we, we were there to do our jobs. You know. Yeah, so. yeah, we, we were there for you people to. Um, <laughs> And for us, I mean, she, exactly. she looked beautiful in that dress. Dude, oh that God. dress. She had a little bit of a underboob going on, didn't she? She did. She really did. <laughs> but just such a lovely woman. Um, great she, actress. Amazing. Great actress. Amazing. So we did stay for this um, movie. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad that we opted to watch that movie actually, um, because um, it was great. It was. It was really. I mean, we'll talk about the premise a little bit. So. Um, Aaron plays a young housewife with a for catching dust. Yeah, in the yeah. catching dust film. That's right. Um, and apparently she moves to the middle of the Texas desert with her husband Clyde, played by Jai Courtney. And then it's later revealed in the fi- uh, in the film that he's a wanted man. And then you also see their relationship is is very rocky, right? Yeah. Um, and uh you know um very unstable yeah he's very uh, high strong like um very high strong kind of like verbally abusive um verbally abusive we didn't see him physically abusive but verbally yeah. abusive and then they get an unexpected surprise they get a young couple from new york city that decide yeah. to escape the city life and um have shipped over i guess a portable wallace i guess right yeah, just put it for right like a few the, weeks to yeah. live down there. Yep, put it right in the middle of the desert next to their trailer. And, of course, they're going to wonder what their, their motive is for, for um, you know, living there. And, uh, well, it's supposed to be a, a commune um, area is why they went there. Right. So, um, but, you know, the dynamic between um, Gina, who's played by Aaron, and Jai's Courtney character, Clyde, and the other couple was crazy and that's uh andy played by ryan core and amaya played by dina shahabi and um we won't get into spoiler territories but it definitely causes a lot of drama yeah oh yeah drama and um and uh yeah because these films are not released yet we're going to be um careful about uh, talking about spoilers for these films but it was a fantastic film it was uh the final scenes are very uh very emotional it's a very stressful film and, and and stressful as well. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, interesting location, like shooting right in the middle of the desert. I remember, uh, Aaron and Jack Courtney talking about how windy it was shooting in that Texas desert area. And, um, you know what she gave up, um, you know, very believable, you know, Southern Texas accent, you know, and, uh, well, 
it wasn't even shot in Texas. It was shot on an island, remember? It was shot on an island. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Was it one of the islands? Because I know Texas has some islands, like South Padre Island, and um, but uh, oh, I don't know. I that's what they said during the Q and A. It was it was shot uh in an island. I forget what island they said. Maybe it was a Texas island. I don't know if it's Texas. I'm not sure, but it was. Yeah, it was I think so because like like South Padre Island, I believe. Yeah. Um, very very remote area, and uh, yeah. So Chachi, you uh, right after that, you you decide to forego. Um, the but they're great with their stuff. accents in that movie. Yeah, you know, Ty Courtney, he um, he is the king of doing all kinds of accents. You know, he was in the Hunger Games um films. He is um, consummate actor. That he said in the Q and A that he actually never does Australian accents, which I thought was kind of funny. right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and kudos to uh, the lovely Erin uh, Moriarty who did her su- Southern Texas accent. Um, yeah, kind of like a Ruth type uh, accent. Yeah. Yeah, she was great. So, Tachi, you decided to call it a night uh, after that, and I continue. I go yeah. on to another amazing film. Man, I, I'm like a machine, right? Going on to the next film. <laughs> right. We didn't we didn't do red carpet coverage, but love to talk about this film. It's based on H.P. Uh, Lovecraft's. Um, story um and you know hp lovecraft he reinvented the horror and science fiction genres during his time and um this one uh is based on lovecraft's the thing on the doorstep okay. short story yeah but they retitled it to suitable flesh and if you're a fan <laughs> the gorgeous Oh my God, she's like a fine wine. She just looks phenomenal with age. Uh, Heather Graham uh, is the lead role in that, who plays a uh, psychiatrist that um, who gets obsessed with a younger patient, um, who happens to have multiple personalities, and then after murdering one of her patients, she watches her life uh, take a nightmarish turn as uh, she soon encounters supernatural forces connected with an ancient curse. So, oh wow. Without- Without revealing too much, it was very bloody. It was very gory. I got to give a shout out to Baltimore's own Donison Check. Um, Donison Check's from, uh, I believe he's from Dundalk, Maryland. And uh, I remember I, I was chatting with him at Baltimore Comic Con, saying, "Yeah, you know, I had to work on you know, my Baltimore accent." You know, <laughs> 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 uh, whatever the Hollywood, I had to watch my owns. You know, my owns. Uh, yes, yes. Yeah. So uh, he was talking about that and. Uh, it was good to see him again. I, you know, I reintroduced myself to Jonathan Check at the end of the screening and told him, you know, what a great job he did. Um, and um, I was exhausted by that point, Josh. I didn't even try to go to an after party by that time, you know. I don't blame you. Yeah. So the next day, you know, I get to. Um, you were there for two more days. I was there for two <laughs> more days. So I go to the hub. So the hub of Tribeca on at Spring Studios, right around the corner from where we stayed at our hotel. Has a lot of very cool virtual reality exhibitions. And Chachi, you would love this one called Soul Ripped 1978. Basically, it's a VR game where you're in a virtual office and you have to pick up an Atari cartridge and insert the cartridge and start playing the game with the VR controllers. Oh, that's pretty cool. And then you can interact with the game you're playing and interact with the offices, uh, the office uh, surroundings, like like coworkers. You can take um, sheets of paper and crumple it and throw it over your cubicle. 
you can um you know you see co-workers walking back and forth you can take a um, your coffee mug and take a sip of coffee it was so cool because it's like a video game within a video game yeah uh, virtually like and you kind of like once you see yourself you're like you're sitting in the chair in that office it was so wild i saw the display they had an actual atari set up um in that yeah yeah it was so cool i'm glad i got to check that one out um also got to check out a very very dark one um this one is called um the fury so it um explores sexual exploitation of female um political prisoners oh okay Um, yeah referencing the islamic republic of iran's brutal treatment of these prisoners and we follow the the psychological emotional state of the woman who remains haunted by her sexual assault torture and rape in prison so He's kind of dancing for all these, um, you know, um, I guess these Iranian um, officers, you know. Um, That's and, like a fun game, you know, like. Well, <laughs> and then, well, you change the perspective changes to to her where you see them kind of like walking up to her and and uh, you know acting appropriate to her, but you cannot see the perspective of both sides. Yeah. You know? Um. It was horrible. Yeah, yeah. So it's a loosely tied narrative, um, and it addresses the issue of the female body as both as an object of desire and violence. So when you're sitting there, you can see all the Iranian guards around you, and then you see the girl dancing, and then you can just kind of move your chair around and see all the guards like surrounding you in a circle. I think I had that game on the NES, on the the eight bit version. Oh, was it the same one? Oh my god, was it really a game like that? No, <laughs> it was no. really fucked up games. There was what, the Custer's Revenge? That was the most fucked up game for Atari. Yeah. Like that was like something you had a you were just naked with like a hard on and you had to run across this field getting shot by arrows to like I think you raped this Native American woman. Like I think that was the goal. You obtained such a fucking um, looked like she was tied up. I mean, you definitely had sex with her. I'm not sure if it was rape or sex, but it, it did look like she was tied up on there. They didn't sell that at the local Toys R Us. I don't know. I think it was, I think it was Kitty City. Kitty City. Yeah. Oh, my God. And um, last but not least, on the virtual side, Chacha, I got to talk to an amazing fellow Filipino artist. Um, she um, created, directed, wrote, and created an awesome vr experience based on filipino mythology mm. and focuses on um these four immortal children of their creator god bathala and she takes a, um takes her personal experience of losing her father at a young age her father died in a car accident and she kind of oh god got that idea when when the the creator god had to sacrifice himself they the four immortal children have to live on their own and and and, and deal with the grief of losing their father and it was just a beautiful, beautiful VR experience, just seeing them just um, in this world and um, and just the surroundings. And yeah, you can also just move around your chair and just see. Uh, there wasn't any like controls for this particular one, but again, it was a very beautiful, beautiful um, uh, experience. And I got to talk to Michaela Ternaski Holland, the creator, and that featured interview will be on a future episode of Below the Belt show, so that's really oh, cool. Sounds interesting, yeah, like a whole brand new uh, medium now. It is. It was really cool to experience that, and I'm glad that uh, they uh, reached out to us. And I said, hey, you know, I'm also a fellow Filipino. Would love to 
And every year she was nominated for the um, uh, New Voices Award. So uh, that was really cool. That's cool. She's, she's learned how to talk, too. That's pretty cool. Good for her. <laughs> she knows how to talk? She just learned how to talk? Why? What do you mean? You said she's won some award for like New Voices or something. Oh! <laughs> Good for her, like overcoming all that and then being able to talk now. I guess I'm uh, happy. That's 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 their emerging new artist award, I guess. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I get it now, Chachi. So Monday I get treated um, to an amazing red carpet, Chachi. Oh my God, Sarah Bareilles sings like an angel, and I was lucky enough to see the Broadway performance of Waitress. I believe sometime last year when Sarah Bareilles was still in it. I believe the run ended on Broadway. So. What they do nowadays is actually shoot the Broadway stage production and put it, um, edit it together for a feature film. So you're you're, you're seeing the exact stage production that you can watch at home in the comfort of your own home. And they did that with Hamilton, as you know, Chacha. I think you said you watched that on Disney Plus. I did, yeah. Yeah, and they're doing the same thing with Waitress. It won't. I believe it did win, win some Tony Awards. Um, I'm not sure which ones it did win, but um, the music was phenomenal. Um, and the, um, you didn't know that the waitress was based on a movie, but it was adapted into a musical by Sarah Burrells, who wrote original music for it and added most of the story, but added about 40 more minutes of, of story to the, um, Broadway production. Oh, the structure is the same and the comic beats are the same. Um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, uh, She's so super talented. And um, she's got a hit song, You Will Be Mine, which I believe she changed the lyrics slightly to to fit better with the production of The Waitress. And after we were treated to that film, Sarah Bareilles does a live performance for everybody in the audience. And the piano is out there. She does the phenomenal, phenomenal um, um performance of of that song um she will be mine also uh, does some audience participation of the one of the songs from waitress because it kind of starts with sugar batter flower sugar batter and she had the three parts of this of the arena like chanting the the um the different parts of the song and then she sang over it so it was really cool it was like a nice little sing-along too so that was really cool and um believe it or not i um i get some intel on the official after party for the waitress in the house, not only was Sabra else there, because I'm glad I got to t- chat with her and talk with her and meet her, but Laura Dern was there. Nice. Yeah. An actress, Laura Dern. Um, she was there for a brief, brief time. I didn't get the chance to talk to her, but uh, I was uh, really focused on uh, the uh, open bar and the others that they had. It was, the same, <laughs> it was actually the same venue that we went for the minted reception, Chachi. Oh, really? Yeah, Gugino Tutorial. Shout out to Gugino Tutorial. It's a great venue. Um, and we forgot to mention that one, Chachi. We start our our afternoon at that reception. Kind of a, a nice little icebreaker to start the day, right? Yeah, it's a nice place, yeah. It was. It was a nice place for sure. And then um, Tuesday, you know, um, at the, um, you know, I don't know from all restaurants, but, dude, that place Bobby's was not phenomenal. It's like. It has this, the, the most delicious comfort food. I had to go back a second time with um, an actor friend that I met through Vince Eisenson. 
uh, shout out to Ron. And uh, we get some lunch, and because uh, he actually works at the Tribeca, ironically, he's the one that he reached out to me. He's like, "Dude, I saw you at the elevator." I'm like, Who's? "He's like, yeah, I'm working uh, Tribeca." I'm like, "Oh shoot, well maybe we can get lunch before you have to, uh, you know, uh, start your shift." And uh, we grabbed lunch, and then we walked over to the rooftop bar of uh, Hub, the Tribeca Hub, and we had a couple drinks. It was it was really cool. And then he had to start work, and then I have two more events that I get to check out, Chachi. So. The first one was Lynn Manuel Miranda's Storytellers. It was basically a, a Q&A. Mom, was on Tuesday? Rosie Perez. Uh, that was on Tuesday, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and that was moderated by Rosie Perez. And then um, I got some disappointing news earlier that we weren't through for red carpet. Um, but uh, somehow, miraculously, we got on the red carpet nonetheless. After the Lin Manuel Moran, because I was already on the location, and we get on the press line for Walking Dead, Dead City. Awesome. Wow. Awesome. You'll be happy to hear, guys, and um, fans of Walking Dead, because, you know, I'm a very, very big Walking Dead fan, that um, I get to talk to Jeffrey Dean Morgan. I get a very, very, very brief uh, talk with Lauren Cohen. I talked to new uh, cast member Gaius Charles. Um, I talked to Walking Dead OG Lydia, who plays Alpha's daughter. He said oh, she's yeah. not. She said she's not in Dead City. She was just there to support. So okay, I was like, come awesome. on. I was like, come on, come on, Lydia. You know right. uh, that's a million dollar question. We want to know if you're going to be popping up in any of these spinoffs. <laughs> so apparently, it was rumored that she was in France um, shooting Daryl Dixon's um, spinoff. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if she was overseas, I mean, it kind of—I don't know. I mean, if they want to take a couple characters over to the Daryl Dixon's uh, season, uh, rather series, then uh, it wouldn't surprise me. And why not take an established character like like Lydia? You know, very sweet girl, very sweet girl. I got to talk to her as well. And as far as the um, as far as it goes, uh, we get the we got treated to two episodes, and those two episodes were um. Well, it's just it's cool seeing the walkers in a different platform, a different surrounding environment. That is um, the concrete jungle that is New York City. And there's like, uh, I mean, there's there's zip lines. There's uh, <laughs> you're dealing with like um, buildings and and, and uh, skyscrapers, and you're deal- dealing with zombie hordes walking all over the concrete instead of through the forest. You know, so it's a lot, that aspect's different. But what's really different is the fact that it's a smaller cast. And you're getting, um, you know, because you, Chachi, you said it yourself, that the Walking Dead cast was yeah. way too big. Way too big for, for way too many years. Yeah, 20-some major cast members. in the, Yeah, the and season. you have people on the cast. Like you, you see a character one week, you're like, who the hell is this character? Like, I don't remember him. And, like, and then usually somebody that they would um, really promote real big for an episode end up dying at the end of that episode who you never, like, met before. What do you exactly. mean, people? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So that's exactly what happened, Chachi. So um, that's why the early seasons were it. so good when they were on the um, farm and stuff. It was a small yeah, group, just, you know, and you really cared about everybody a lot more. So we're getting back to that, Chachi, in this series. Okay, right? good. Uh, um, Maggie and Negan, well, basically, they got to go to New York because former savior kidnapped Herschel. And because of um, Negan's associate, former association with that savior, 
um, he was able to, he, you know, Maggie felt that he was the best person to, to join in on the heist, I guess, to, to find a uh, Herschel. And they yeah. did some other ways to the, the main antagonist and Herschel that was, uh, being held captive. So we got to see a little bit of that. We got to see some supporting casts cause they have like, um, they call the area new Babylon of, uh, the New York area where, uh, where a lot of these um, other survivors are located in New Babylon. So you get to meet a lot of them. And uh, you get to see Negan in his old violent ways. So I'm not going to spoil. Oh, nice. Okay. But, you know, that's the thing. Negan was very vicious, very vicious. And you really get to see that aspect again that had been missing for so long. You get to see him with like a new bat or anything. Not, not yet. He doesn't have a, a okay. weapon du jour just yet. He's just okay. uh, well. I'll just say window. A window is a weapon. So we'll just leave it. Okay. At we'll we'll let the audiences check it out. But we got treated to two episodes. Now, will I say that the 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 series is great? Does it stand up to The Walking Dead? I enjoyed them. You know, as a Walking Dead fan, um, I, you know, I know they're trying to bring something new and refreshing. But um, and they're and they're trying to do so. So I'm gonna find I'm gonna um pass judging for now, and then uh, maybe if I see a few more episodes, we can revisit and talk about the uh, walking. Well, it's Dead. gotta be it's gotta be better than World Beyond. Oh God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. So other films that are part of Tribeca that Chachi and I um, did not get a chance to check out, but were highlighted uh, during that week include ISS, which was um. Well, this title is um, inexplicably fashioned with three periods, two generic a genre exercise to matter, one that vaguely orbits notions just as trust, selfishness, teamwork, and the hazards of blind nationalism. And this absolutely makes no sense to me. But nonetheless, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm glad we missed that one. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> ISS is um, a sci-fi. And um, it stars Ariana DeBoss of West Side Story, Chris Messina, and Gordon Barrett, and uh, John Gallagher Jr. Um, and, um, yeah, so that was one of the uh, films that we didn't get a chance to see. Um, there was also Blood for Dust, which was right after um, the, um, the listener uh, red carpet that we went to. But we, we decided to forego that one. And then we went to Aaron Moriarty's. Uh, Catching Dust, you know, it's a similar to those titles. Yes. <laughs> so uh, we opt for that one. But that one starred Kit Harrington and Scoop McNary, of course. You know, Kit Harrington. I think, I think we skipped it because we had to see a lot of people before the Catching um, Dust um, red carpet. Yeah, we did. Yeah. I guess we should throw that out, right? Yeah. Yeah, we ran into the one or only Ben Stiller. I mean, comedic actor extraordinaire, something about Mary. <laughs> We run into the one and the only one of the greatest filmmaker directors of all time, Martin yeah. Scorsese. Yeah, I think he's like Good 81 now. 81 years old, still still directing. He's got a film called Killers of the Flower Moon with his favorite Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, yeah. He does love Leo DiCaprio. It seems like Leo's in all his films because he was in Wolf of Wall Street and uh, um yeah, we uh, we saw Richard Gere. We saw uh, that was at the um, the Bucky Dent uh, premiere, right? Yeah, um, yep. Yeah, um, we saw Matthew Broderick. 
Um, yeah, I mean, the celebrities were, I mean, you saw the Tribeca. Yeah, they were out for them, yeah. There were so many celebrities that were in attendance for that one. And sadly, I left after the Walking Dead one. Um, they also have a movie called The Line. The Line is basically um, all about Greek life, the lure of the, uh, the fraternity. So it's uh, dealing with a younger cast. Um, you know, those those films could be fun. Remember the skulls from back in the day with Josh Jackson? Yeah. So uh, um, so it's basically the lines that just are the pressures of Greek life, the toxicity of hypermasculinity, the corrosiveness of white privilege play out in interactions between Tom and his family. That's what this um, particular um, log line is for this film. Um, and then we have a film called The Good Half which stars Nick Jonas and the beautiful Brittany Snow. Also Matt Walsh from Veep. Um, really cool uh, uh, cast there. I mean, the, I met a few of those folks in that cast, uh, doing Brittany Snow, Matt Walsh, who work with uh, on Veep. And basically it's Nick Jonas uh, playing uh, a writer based in LA who returned to Cleveland for his mother's funeral. And when his dad, who who was played by Matt Walsh, stumbles upon him looking for a drink, they pour each other some tequila and get down to awkward business of confronting their emotions. So it looks like an awkward family reunion of sorts. Hmm. Um, And also Chelsea Peretti's directorial debut, first-time female director um, that uh, premiered at Tribeca that's also going to be released on Roku, uh, but not until 2024. And as you know, Chelsea Peretti, she was uh, formerly in Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and she is um, basically playing a female director who struggles to fill the shoes of her male predecessor director and putting her southern rural drama in jeopardy. And uh, also, it's produced by Amy Poehler. of oh, Parks comedy. And- yeah, it is comedy. Right. And then Stan Lee had a documentary as well. Yep. Um, we missed that one, Chachi. Um, yes. Yeah, and actually, St- uh, Stanley uh, himself possibly supplies the first person voiceover narration. Oh, cool. And that's through, yeah, it's through archival interviews and speeches that he's given over the years and spliced together. Okay. And, yeah. We so talked to- a lot over the years, so. Oh, my God. There's a lot. There's probably a lot they can pick from for a documentary. They probably can, yeah. I bet you and I would have loved that documentary if, if we had a chance oh, to see yeah. it. Yeah, hopefully we'll see it whenever it comes out. Yep. And another highlight was, as you know, they do TV shows like the the Walk, Walking Dead, Dead City. One one that we missed because I believe it was the same exact time as Waitress, I think, was Claire Danes, Zazie Beats, Timothy Olf, and Dennis Quaid in the new HBO Max series Full Circle. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's a heck of a cast. Yeah, yeah, like the actors in that one. Yeah, and that's a, actually that's the same time as um, Catching Dust. That's why we didn't go to that. That was on Sunday. Okay. And, and director Steven Soderbergh actually, uh, I guess the uh, directed some of the uh, the episodes of that series. Um, yeah. Um, it's like a thriller series of sorts, you know. Um, and uh, that's something definitely worth checking out. Um, and that's pretty much the highlights of of Tribeca. Um, but we uh. We do know there's other great, phenomenal um, things to talk about in the world of movies. So uh, that was our Tribeca segment, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Great time. 
why not throw out some stuff going on in movies and everything else going on in the world of entertainment? So here we Let's go. do it. It is time for the Hollywood Report. That's hot. That's bananas. That's off the chain. Yeah, that's right. All right. Transformers Rise of the Beasts, the number one movie in America. No surprise there, right, Chachi? Yeah, people watch any kind of shit that comes out. <laughs> anything with like, special effects. Or yeah, special. anything big budget or, yeah, like, I don't think I've seen the last, including this one, the last three now. You you didn't see Bumblebee? That was a good one. No, I saw Bumblebee. Yeah, that was the last one I saw. Wasn't I there? that was the most, mm, that was the most recent Transformers, I think. You sure? Whether there was, well, maybe I didn't see the one before that then. There's been a few. Like, oh. there's, one, there's one with Mark Wahlberg, right? I never saw that one. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Then, yeah, the one with Mark Wahlberg came out before um, the one with Haley Side. Oh, did it? Okay. Yeah. So this is Rives of the Beasts, and um, you know we see those um, those transforming beasts. You know, um, I had that in my notes last time, but what they're called, they have a specific name. But um, the movie earned sixty point five million over the weekend, um, and it knocks um, the former number one movie. Spider-Man across the Spider-Verse, but you know what? It's a it's it's okay that it's second place because it stands as Sony's highest grossing animated series, sorry, animated film in history. Wow. Yeah. Um so it hit two, 226 million in North America and 3 390 million globally. So, uh that's the second place movie. Um, Disney's Little Mermaid, third with 22.8 million, which now has uh, 228 million domestic and 414 worldwide. Uh, and then the other two, numbers four and five, are Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, when it did fill 7 million in its sixth weekend, and The Boogeyman, also taking in 7 million in second weekend. Um, now the big movie this weekend, Chachi, as you know, is The Flash. Yes, yes, Ezra yes. Ezra Miller made headlines um, because he actually um, was at the red carpet. He did not do a single interview, but he was taking photos <laughs> of the red carpet. Can I imagine those interviews? Yeah, but he he did comment, uh, I believe, during the um, during the premiere. I think on stage, you know, how they do their little um, little spiel, like whether it was before or after the film. And um, he had some words for the dynamic duo of Peter Safran and James Gunn saying, grateful for your grace and discernment and care in the context of my life and in bringing this moment to fruition. So there you go. Yeah. So that's right from them's mouths. Yeah. Straight out of the mouth. Exactly. Um, Sasha Kali, who's the new Supergirl, of course, in attendance for the premiere, Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez. Maribel, your dude, Jessica Chastain, among others. And uh, as you know, he is um, you know, undergoing treatment for his mental health issues, as you know, Chachi. And, oh, good. Um, thing, hopefully and he gets the it. thing is, yeah, and hopefully he gets it. But the thing is, if this film does well, they're probably going to bring him back because the director, Andy, was like, there's no one else that can play The Flash. No one else that can play the character that well, you know. So we'll have to... 
We'll have to see how the film does. I'm curious. I don't know. Well, there's there's a lot of people that get fired from movies for doing way, way, way less shit than he has done in the past, like <laughs> the past yeah. like, couple of years. So he, what he did was more more serious, but yet yeah, he's still right. So if they keep him on after all this, and they're just hypocrites. All these people. Yeah, that's a good point, man. Especially but. with. Especially with um, them kind of resetting the whole universe, like it would be the time to get them out if, to do it. It would be now and have it still make sense. Yeah. Interesting. We'll yeah. See. You're right. We'll see because this is basically a soft reboot at the end of this film. But actually, I'm just really just going forward to see Michael Keaton. That's all I really care about. Yes. Yes. Michael Keaton. Yes. See him return as Batman and not Donald. Not the only Batman in there, Chachi, is Ben Affleck is also uh, reprising his Batman role as well. Yeah, but Michael Keaton, though. Michael Keaton, like, the first time you'll see him as Batman since, like, what, like, 92, I think it was? Yeah. Since the second, since the second Batman film. That's right. why he, he only did the first two. Um, so expect- all I hope is, out of all this, I hope it does really well. I hope people love Michael Keaton in it, and I hope they do a standalone movie with Michael Keaton, you know, and Tim Burton to direct it. Yep, they expect the film to and do. That's all I want. That's all I want in life. <laughs> they expect the film to do at least seventy million. Um, so, uh, and actually, it's gotten some good reviews, not only from the critics, which I believe it's seventy-two percent on Rotten Tomatoes, but um, also um, it had some uh, love from uh, some celebrities. Actually, I think I had that note right here. Where is it? It was a I think it's one. gonna do better than it's gonna do better than um, Indiana Jones. I think. Really, you think it's gonna be better than Indiana Jones? Really? I think so. Yeah. Oh, here it is. Horror icon Stephen King got to see an early screening and said, "This is one is this one is special. It's heartfelt, funny and eye popping. I loved it." Supposedly, Tom Cruise was treated to early look at the film. He said he loved it so much that he personally called Andy Machete to share his raves. Oh wow! Wow. Yeah, see, if this movie was Marvel. It would have already made like a billion dollars before it even came out, uh-huh. just with just with all the um, suck asses, Marvel suck asses out out there. You think? They just, yeah, they just suck up anything that Marvel does. Like they don't care. Yeah. Well, as I don't you know, know like, people are are a lot harder on DC, and I, I think DC has a lot of good films that come out. I mean, they're kind of all over the place with a lot of their stuff, but I think they, um, you know, I think they have a lot of interesting films. So I'm looking forward to this one. Yeah. So this is what is a uh, news based on DC, Chachi. Um, so James Gunn confirmed that Blue Beetle is in DCU and is the first DCU character. So this is Cholo Maradueña, you know, Miguel from Cobra Kai. And he is the first DCU character. So he is confirming that this film will be within the DCU continuity. So that's kind of a. Uh, Kind of good news, but the thing was, shouldn't that movie be the last film and not Aquaman? Because Aquaman supposedly, the second Aquaman is supposed to be the end of the Snyderverse of the DCEU. But they're releasing right, yeah. Aquaman after Blue Beetle. So, That's whatever. Well, who knows? Does anybody know what the Blue Beetle is? Like, Well, Blue Beetle has had different um, powers uh, for different iterations, but the one that the Cholo is playing is basically, they say it's a combination of Iron Man. And um and Batman is it Iron Man and Batman? No, sorry, Green Lantern and Iron Man. Sorry. Okay. So he's he's got a scarab from outer space, kind of like the ring, the Green Ring, and it's uh and it basically 
works the same way as Green Lantern's Ring because you kind of have to have certain will when you're using Green Lantern's Ring. And for this, the Scarab has to choose the person. So the Scarab chose um, Blue Beetle. What, what is it, Mascara, you said? The Scarab. Oh, that was the Scarab. The Scarab is kind of like um, kind of like um, an ancient artifact of sorts that okay. has physical powers, I guess. Yeah, and um, and then his character—he basically just graduated from from college, and he, he searches for some purpose in the world, and then he finds an ancient relic of alien biotechnology. So that's what that is—the scarab—and it chooses Jamie to be its symbiotic host. So very similar to Venom. Shazam. <laughs> uh, Shazam. I don't know. Um, was that kind of like how Shazam was? They found something ancient, and they um. Yeah, they sound they they pretty much chanted an ancient uh, um, doctrine or something that, that something yeah yeah so it was a little different yeah well that's Blue Beetle you did mention um, Indiana Jones and um, Harrison Ford actually talked about how great the de aging sequences at the start of the film he says that's the best de aging he's seen yet he said okay. it's not a, yeah it's not a photoshopping kind of thing. It's really my face from 40 years ago. So they. Wow. Yeah. So the the Irishman, if you remember that, Scorsese's film had its issues with the aging, but. Uh, See, I didn't mind that. I thought that was fine. Um, you thought you thought Irishman was fine? Yeah. And people, it's, yeah, not, not that people are too hard on this de aging stuff. I mean, it's going to get better than yeah. what it even is now, but I mean, I'd rather have that than have other actors playing these people. Right. But Disney also released a trailer of Pixar's. Can you believe they have 28 feature films, Pixar? Wow. So it's called Helio. And it's um, the voice cast is Jamila Jamil and Brad Garrett. They've joined the the voice cast of the intergalactic animated feature. Oh, they they release a lot of dumb shit now. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody cares about. They're releasing stuff later now. That's the newest news. So. Avengers Kang Dynasty originally um, originally supposed to be released in May of 2025 will now be released May of 2026. Avengers okay. Secret War also moving one year from May of 2026 to May of 2027. Um, Captain America Brave New World, which used to be New World Order, but I guess Hulk Hogan and Scott Hall. <laughs> like, uh, oh, Scott Hall's the one. Yeah, rest in peace, Kevin Scott Hall. Yeah. yeah um, so for whatever the reason, they, they went with they. Change the title of Brave New World. Um, that's not going to have too much of a delay. Just a uh, just a delay from May to July. Now, why are they delaying these films? Do you know? I think it has to do with the writer's strike. I think it does. Okay. And that's a big part of it. Yeah. So and something then, so something positive is coming out of this writer's strike then. <laughs> that they're delaying these Marvel and movies. Disney's going to have their first. They're going to have their DCU's first. Or sorry, MCU's first film to be released on Christmas, as uh. Because it's usually reserved for Star Wars, as you know. And yeah. that's going to be Thunderbolts, which is kind of like uh, Marvel's answer to Suicide Squad, where they take these former villains and kind of redemption for them, basically. Oh, and, and, and it's enough of these damn superhero movies. <laughs> but you know we're going to see them. We're going to go out and see them. <laughs> I, I'm not going to see them all. I, I don't know. I'm going to start picking and choosing. Oh, really? Like, like uh, I won't see the Marvels. I don't care about seeing the Marvels. Yeah, I, I had a feeling you're going to skip that one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Deadpool three, I think you will see that one. 
that's gonna come I'll, out. I'll, I'll see that one. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, getting bumped to November of 2024. Originally supposed to be released in May 2024. Okay. Yeah. Um. So now Avatar is gonna be like this is a crazy one. All right. So Avatar three, which is ready in the can. Uh, that's gonna be released December 2025 now instead of December 2024, which I think makes sense. I mean, that's you know we just saw Avatar in you know December 2022. You know so. I think three years is um is enough time well we have we have like 14 more avatars coming out yeah and now we have avatar four and five now these dates are gonna blow your mind avatar <laughs> four supposed to be released in 2026 now gonna be released 2029 oh jesus <laughs> oh my god and avatar five was good was supposed to be released in 2028 now it's gonna be released in 2031 uh. And it's so funny because Zoe Saldana said, great, I'm going to be 53 when the last Avatar comes out. She posted on Instagram uh, with a shocked face emoji. I was 27 when I shot the first Avatar. Can you believe that? Mm. Avatar is a weird franchise because it's one that I enjoy while I'm seeing it, but then I forget about it like right after it's ever. Yeah. Like I'm not yeah. going to the... I'm not going to the theater watching it like multiple times. I'm not like watching it on um, digital streaming. Like I just don't care. Like, the whole thing is seeing it in a cool 3D, having that kind of experience, and that's really you it did, for me. You did enjoy it though. I enjoyed it, but it, I enjoyed it because I saw it in the 3D, and the 3D was amazing. And I yeah. think that's why it does so well in the theaters because people go for that 3D because it's better than any other 3D movie it's, that's out there. But exactly. I still don't. I, I, I can probably not name any characters in the movies like and there's already been two of them like it's just it's a weird thing <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a weird it's franchise it's just called navi that's all we know that's all i know yeah i can't think of any of the names on yeah no the actors but yeah yeah i can't think of the right. names of the characters the star wars news the two star yeah. wars feature films will both be released in 2026 i don't know why they're doing this that's we don't get a, um, a, a Star Wars movie for seven years, but you're going to release two in 2026. I, I don't know why. That's, it's weird. It's weird. Like, get a good be, thing when they used to do it at Christmas every year. Like That was a good way so, of doing so it. One, one will be on Christmas, December 18, 2026. And I like how when they used to do the trailers, they, cut, they said Christmas and stuff. Yeah. They weren't afraid to mention Christmas then, you know? Oh, back then. Oh, um, yeah. They probably won't do that yeah. now. And then May 2026 will be the other one. So my prediction will be, I'm guessing the May 2026 Star Wars will be the prequel, the old Jedi movie, you know, the, which is going to be James Mangold, which is like going to take place years and years and years before episode one. And then the December one will be the Ray one because that's going to feature characters you're familiar with and really returning and, um, so that's my prediction, but they didn't confirm which film is going to be on each year. But uh, of course, we also know Taika Waititi is developing his own. Taika Waititi is. So, so yeah. Ray one is going to take place after the um, the sequel trilogy. That's right, 15 years after the sequel trilogy, where she now is a um, a le- leader of the new Jedi Order. Yeah. So, I don't know. I, mean, I, w- I would have been super excited about this like back in the day. I really don't care that much about it now. Like Disney yeah, kind of like kills Star Wars for me. Like it's my favorite fandom, you know. And and you're it enjoying was, it was mine. You're enjoying Mandalorian. Book of, you're enjoying Mandalorian, the book of Boba Fett, aren't you? 
Mandalorian was great the first two seasons. This last past season had some really good episodes and it had some really bad episodes, I thought. It kind of lost the magic this season. I think it lost the magic for a lot of people based on the um, ratings. Um, but I you think... Know, and, and then the whole trilogy, the sequel trilogy, it's, it's it's not what it used to be. Like I used to go out to the theater and see the re-releases, you know, with the uh, updated um, CGI and stuff, and I'd be super excited right. for that. Just for the movie I already saw being re-released, it's just not the same feel anymore. Like Disney kind of oversaturated the market with it. It's not doesn't have that special feeling anymore. And maybe it will if I see a really cool trailer for one of these movies. But right. I really don't care about a, a Ray sequel. Well, you know, I already saw I, three movies with her. Yeah, you're probably going to like the uh, Dave Filoni movie. That's going to be like later, which is going to be, it's going to have all the characters from Mandalorian, Book of Boba Fett, and Ahsoka. I think you'll like that one. Okay, know. yeah, that could be hopefully, cool. Hopefully most of us will like, because Dave Filoni does a great job, as you know. Yeah. Bro. I've done real well. And um, there's a new but Star Wars video but, but, game. But, but, there's really no characters from the Ray, um, from the new um, trilogy that I really care about seeing in the Ray movie. It's not like, oh yeah, I really can't wait to see Finn again or, or Rose again. I really can't wait. It's like I don't really yeah. care. And and then you know they already killed it off. Um, they already killed it off. Um, the Emperor, uh, Kylo Ren, Kylo Ren. Yeah. yeah so it's like, what I really care. There will be a new, a new Sith Lord. We'll just have to find. Mm. We saw the shitty villain in the Obi Wan series, so who knows what Disney's going to create. Well, uh, I'm not gonna. Are you talking about the the first sister? Yeah. Or the Inquisitor. The first, the the, the sister sister. The um. Oh. <laughs> her name was. Okay, you you weren't you didn't think that she was that great, but uh. Boring, boring character. They they didn't give her even a cool costume. Yeah. Well, you know they have a video game. Uh, they just released a cinematic uh, Star Wars video game called Star Wars Outlaws. And you see uh, Han Solo and Carbonite. So this is going to take place in between Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. So this is a time period that you really like, Chachi. Yes. Yes. So uh, if you're a gamer and you're a fan of Star Wars, that game might be for you. Um, that sounds pretty cool. Yep. And we'll wrap up some uh, movie stuff and take the classic cut break. Um, they have a R-rated animated film called Fixed which is about a dog who goes out for one final wild night of debauchery before he is set to be neutered. (laughs) (laughs) He's going to just do a bunch of doggy style. (laughs) Go wild. Uh, Adam Devine, Catherine Hahn, and Igus Elba uh, joined the the voice cast of the film. So, uh, yep, it's going to be called Thicked. So uh, check that one out. Um, Remember um, a book of Boba Fett, those, um, they call it the, they were kind of comparing them to the Power Rangers, but one of the girls was really, really cute in that group. Remember Sophie Thatcher? She's also in this uh, series, Yellow Jackets. Okay. She's quickly becoming the new It Girl in Hollywood. She's got a new sci-fi thriller from the team behind the hit The Barbarian from last year. And this film is going to star also Jack Quaid from The Boys, Lucas Gage, Megan Suri, and Harvey Glenn. They're all in the call sheet. So... Wow. Uh, yeah, do you remember her? She had the she was in that group of like young youngsters that kind of had modded modifications to like their face or their arms. Yeah, yeah, I hated yeah. that group, but yeah. You didn't like you didn't like that group. The girl was hot. No, though. yeah, she was hot. She, yeah, but it was like yeah, 
it, it didn't fit in with the Star Wars um, look and feel. It didn't fit in with the Tatooine feel. It would fit in Coruscant. I could see that group in Coruscant, but I could I can't see them in Tatooine. That's no. the, that's you know. You didn't really like their look, yeah. And they had very colorful speeders, you know. It just kind of it just kind of yeah, goes it, against the um the rust, too bright. yeah the, the rust yeah. color of of Tatooine, you know. Right. Yeah. And of course, you know your boy Elliot Page. Um, she's got a new <laughs> film. Yes. From Dominic Savage. Yes. That's also going to be produced by her Page Boy Productions. They yeah. canceled um the series, right? The um. Umbrella oh, Academy, yeah. Umbrella Academy, they have, yeah. Yeah, they have one more season, I believe. Was it? I thought they already had it. Oh, yeah. that was the last season? Okay. That's another yeah, series that started off, like, that had a great first season. A great first and season. It, and the second season got really bad, and I heard, like, the third season was awful. But Did you just stop watching season two? I watched season two, and I stopped watching after that. Oh, so you didn't even watch season three at all, I see. Okay, what the fuck is she doing close to you? No, I only watched, um, I think, one episode of season two, and I stopped and never went back. Okay, yeah. Yeah, but season two, you said, was okay. It it, it wasn't that good, no. It wasn't that good. It was a lot of jumping around and everything, and, like, it's, like, a lot of these shows, I try to watch it, like, a a few seasons in, and that's, like, it's, like, a Cobra Kai type of show or Stranger Things, which I'm going to give it a shot from the very beginning. But... I've been burned too many times with these shows that have a great first season and they, they and that's all they really plan out for is one season and then it kind of just all falls apart. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I think it's good time to take a uh, I think so too. classic cut. So uh, here we go with uh, the classic cut theme, right? Indeed. Here we go. Where my dogs at? It is time for King Chachi's classic cuts. Holla at your boy. Yes, Chati in charge once again for Chati's classic cut, where each and every week I reach into our dusty box of tapes here, pull out a cassette, pop it in for your listening pleasure. This week, as I alluded to earlier, is going to be a song from Millie Vanilli, and this oh, is oh, Easy Peck, right? Easy, yeah, one of their probably the most popular Millie Vanilli song, "Girl You Know Is True," released November twenty fourth, nineteen eighty eight. So, um, listen to the song, and then when you get a chance in November, watch the documentary on Paramount Plus. That's right. And of course, your exclusive interview, right? With Fabrice Morvan. Yes. yes. And the director of the Millie Vanilli Red Carpet, guys. So we'll be back right after the classic cut and the interview. So don't go anywhere. If you don't like the interview, just like blame it on the rain. Ah, <laughs> that was a good one. Right, we're here at Tribeca, and I'm excited. A brand new documentary. 
No, Vanilla, you know the story, or do you know the story? You don't know the story, because you're going to find out tonight. We're here with Luke, the producer, right? Producer and director, yes. And we're here with Fab, you know, Fab Morvan? From Millie Vanilli, you know him. How you doing, guys? Doing We're great. good, man. We're excited. We finally got it in the can, and yeah. Luke weaved it properly. And tonight, I like to use that that expression, "buckle up," because you're gonna feel. And now you this, don't know the story. You don't don't know the story. And tonight, you will know the story. This story's been a long time coming. What made you finally decide to tell this story? Well, I think that was a tribute to Fab and everybody else who agreed to go on camera. You know, I think I think time kind of heals, and I think that with people could look back on this and really open up and be transparent about things and also more objective and I think that that's why it took so long that's my opinion you can ask Fab and for me it's the trust the trust in Luke that I had and knowing that he could tell the story and wanted to tell the story and complete unbiased you know from a journalistic standpoint as well so people tonight will get a chance to to see what what we did together it's the teamwork it's not just me it's, it, there's a, there was a whole team you saw on the red carpet it's a right. whole team of very talented people and in the end this thing is you know seamless and Fab, your mom named you right because you look you look fab. I mean, you look like the same age as you did you, back man. in Millie Vanilli. What's your secret to staying so young? Uh, the secret is uh, being passionate about what you love. And music is, has been in my life forever. And uh, the best is yet to come. Mm. Now, sadly, many years ago, we lost Rob. Is this going to be like a vindication for Rob, you think? And did you set out to like tell his story? and like? Yeah, because, you know, the thing is, you know, they, they put Rob and Fab at, 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 in the forefront and as responsible, the, the villain. Right. And the story, which wasn't true. And tonight we get to overturn a lot of misconceptions. And you'll hear Rob's voice in this film well. that you've never heard before. That's a big surprise. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That, that's... Uh, and you and Rob had an album coming out before he passed away, unfortunately. What's the, what happened to that album, and will it ever come out? Uh, I have no idea. You don't? Wow. No idea about that. Okay, no. okay. No. Um, and what's next for you, Fab, after all this? Oh, for me, you know, it's music, 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 music. Music? That's it. That's and more music? More music, yeah, you'll see, you'll see. I can't really speak on it right now, but okay. that's been the focus. I've never stopped producing and writing, and that's the next step that I'm going to be taking. Well, that's great, guys. Thank you so much for talking to me. And all these years, I mean, people like wanted to judge Miller Vanelli, but they would have the same exact thing that you guys did. You know, young guys offered fame and fortune. But well, you know what? Yeah. what I would like to say about that is that you know the duck is really going to teach people about the ins and outs of the industry, true, yes. and that it is truly a, a world of illusions. And uh, the people that were involved with us did, uh, uh, yeah, it was a crazy job. You'll see. <laughs> We're excited, Luke Fab. Thank you so much for talking to Below the Belt. Thank you. Very Have much. a good evening. Classic '80s song, classic '80s duo. And we're back. Yes. Millie Vanilli. Girl, you know it's true. Yeah. Oh, man. That was great. And that after party, man, they played some 80s music. Man, they're playing some Depeche Mode. Oh, man, it was so cool. And and, and the fact that uh, Fabrice was such a good guy, you know, you, like I said, it's not a spoiler that he's he had a, he ended up having a great life. He ended up having four kids and got married and, you know, Doing his thing, you know, and still making yeah. music. So as you he still is allude, as he alluded to in the interview, Chachi. So that was great. Good for um, him. And at the end of the program, Chachi, our final interview. We only got two interviews from Philadelphia Fan Expo with voice icon from Optimus Prime, the Optimus Prime himself, and he's in the new Transformers: Rise of the Beast, and he's he was the voice of Optimus in the original '80s series, the animated series. That's four decades. Yeah. 
Yeah, four decades in the number one movie in the world. In the world, right. So that's going to close out tonight's program. But uh, let's go ahead and throw out some TV stuff. Um, so there is uh, They Clone Tyrone on Netflix. Um, and uh, that sure looked pretty fun. Um, it stars uh, Jamie Foxx. And uh, Jamie Foxx has, has been going going through some medical medical issue that has been undisclosed. We don't really don't know what what's going on with him. Stars, right. Yeah. Yeah. Also stars your boy, John Boyega, Finn from star Wars, uh, Tiona Paris. And, um, basically there are three locals, a hustler, a pimp and a prostitute who discover a conspiracy right beneath their feet. Um, and, um, basically fa- find some cloning going on. Um, and my, so basically it's three people, uh, trying to overthrow the, the actions of this evil mad scientist that's, uh, creating, uh, evil clones. <laughs> basically it's what it is. So, um, that's going to be dropping on Netflix. And if you're a fan of, uh, animated features, uh, Netflix has uh, thrown out a bunch of animated stuff. Um, one is called Nimona which is a night in a futuristic medieval world. And uh, Chloe, Ga- uh, Chloe Grace Moretz, um, she is, uh, um, her voice is featured in this particular um, feature, animated feature. Um, that's one. We also have um, one called Leo, uh, which uh, is produced by Adam Sandler. And there's also one called Chicken Run, Dawn of the Nugget. So this is the uh, Anisi Animation Festival. So as a part of that festival, Netflix has a whole bunch of animated features to check out. So if you're a fan of that stuff, you'll probably like it. Um, another one is called Orion and the Dark, which is a CG family comedy written by Charlie Kaufman based on a 2014 book. By Emma Yarlett, and um, it's a dark, whimsical tale about a young boy confronting his greatest terror. Um, and um, Netflix Television, the final installment of Manifest, top Netflix top ten chart, seventy-eight point one five million hours viewed for season four, part two. So they completed the story, and that's great. Netflix picked up. Uh, manifest much like they did with Cobra Kai, right, Chach? Because they saved the show. I I seriously doubt doubt Cobra Kai would be the same hit if it was on if it remained on YouTube, right? We're not really it sure. Would have lasted this long, right? Yeah. Um, but that wasn't the case. Um, for uh, for both shows, they found a home in Netflix, and Manifest was another one because a lot, that was a, one of those shows that you kind of have to finish up. Because it's a big mystery is how the people on the plane, um, you know, return five years later and after disappearing. So it was a big, uh, big mystery that had to be solved. Um, as you know, uh, Johnny Depp's daughter, Lily Rose Depp, um, that's a top show on HBO Max, which is called Max now. I don't know why they caught off the HBO part. Now it's just good. It's kind of like reminding me of like Cinemax now, but the show is actually very Cinemax like Chachi because. Well, they own Cinemax too. Yeah, they own Cinemax, yeah. but there's a lot of gratuitous, explicit scenes. So as you know, that's probably next okay. on my watch list. It's the Skinemax. And Lily Rose Depp, very young, you know, I think she's only like 22. Um, 
and uh, she um, basically gets seduced by the weekend. Abel Tesfaye plays a very flawed character, and apparently there um, there is an episode two where there's a sex scene, and um, weekend says it's so gluttonous the sex scene. And basically, the only word he can think of to describe it is that he comes off as a loser and a psychopath. Interesting. Um, yeah, I've been reading stuff where people are upset with his character or whatever. They're yeah. giving a lot of shit about it. Because he's a psychopath um, and, um, you know, very, very evil character. Um. And uh, I haven't seen it yet, but uh, are you going to watch it, Chach? No, I'm not, no. Okay. <laughs> but um, it was at the top of the, the, the ratings, uh, for sure. Um, and uh, definitely, definitely, um, Little Rose Dap. I mean, have you seen her, Chachi? Have you I seen the her? <laughs> you got to check her out, man. You can probably even just Google the screen caps from, from the idol of Little Rose Dap. It's crazy because it's Sundance. Um, it was Yoga Hoser. She's in the Yoga Hosers movie with Kevin Smith, I think, back in 2016. I think she was only like 16 years old then. So now she's obviously of age now, but back then she was just a kid. Um, and she was you know, working with – she's very good friends with Kevin Smith's daughter, Harley Quinn Smith. Oh, yeah. She's pretty hot now. I'm looking at her now. Wow. Oh, yeah. yeah. So she's, she's all grown up. All grown up and all naked on that series if you want to check it out. Yeah, um, well, I may now. <laughs> so Tom Holland, he's clarifying um, rumors that that he's taking a break from acting because of the negative reviews of, of his Apple TV series called The Crowded Room. He said that it apparently has nothing to do with the negative cri- critics, nothing at all. And um, he basically said that when he when he played this really intense character with a mental health struggle it basically pushed them to the breaking point kind of really just went method in this character and apparently after doing that role it just took a toll on him emotionally that he needed a break and he went to mexico for a week and and then he said right now he's going to take one year off uh and he's just going to be spending some time in england so interesting that a role just really fucked you up, you know, like maybe like even like Jeffrey Dahmer playing Jeffrey Dahmer, like Evan Peters playing such a crazy role like that. I can imagine he would want to take a little break after that role as well, but he didn't make it. Yeah, he always plays his fucked up characters. He does. He does. But this is interesting that Tom Holland's actually playing a character like this. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's always cool when you see an actor just do a totally different role than what they're used to. Exactly. Whole different role than what you're used to seeing. And uh, basically, it's the summer of 1979, where Holland's character uh, has, a, has, a, has some kind of involvement in a shooting at Rockefeller Center in New York City. So that's basically the, the log line of that. Um, your favorite icon, one of your favorite icons, Chachi, Christopher Lloyd, is joining the, the cast of Paramount Plus Knuckles. Uh, series. This is the um, series based on the Sonic the Hedgehog character. Also, Carrie Elwes, mm. Stockton Channing, Paul Shear, 
Rob Hubel have all joined the series. The details on the characters under wraps. But this film will take place in the timeline right after Sonic the Hedgehog 2. So, you, did you ever get into those Sonic? Um, no, I saw the first one. I wasn't that big of a fan. I know a lot of people liked it for some reason, but... A lot of people did like it. For it. Yeah. A good a good video game adaptation of Super Mario Brothers. Now that. Yeah, yeah, I love that movie, yeah. That was great. That was great. Yeah. Um, I heard they're doing Knight. Zelda next, so hopefully that's true. Dude, we talked about that on what Nintendo yeah. show that we'd like to see live action. I'm not sure if you're on for that, but I picked Mike Tyson's punch out. And Legend <laughs> of Zelda, I think um, yeah. Martin Lopez, um, Once of Future King, picked that one. Um, and then over on the CW, there's only going to be one more DC show, and that's it. So Gotham Knights, which is a story of Bruce Wayne's adopted son who teams up with like the the sons and daughters of famous um, Batman villains. They become kind of like um, kind of like a Gotham League, a Gotham Justice League, you know, Young Justice League with with those characters. Apparently, will not move forward with a second season. So that makes Superman and Lois, the only CWDC show left because The Flash just wrapped uh, season nine. And as you know, from the opening promo, we heard Danielle Panabaker and I figured we'd play her promo because The Flash had just wrapped. And of course, The Flash feature film is dropping this weekend. So, uh, yeah, man, that was a good uh, that was a good time. Um, Really quick, the writer strike. Um, As you know, um, um, June 30th, if there's no agreement in place, no contract in place, um, not only will WGA strike, but also SAG AFTRA will. And of course, every major movie star and every major television star is a member of SAG AFTRA. And um, yeah, this is this will not only affect the writing process, but it'll also affect the marketing campaigns for major releases like the Barbie movie with Margot Robbie. Christopher Nolan's Oppenheimer. Yeah, and then we're gonna end up getting a lot of these shitty um reality shows again. Oh god, that was the worst. That was in 2008, yeah. Chachi. There was an influx of reality content, and you know who's happy about that? Donnie Fairplay. <laughs> yeah. You know he is happy about that because this entire podcast is related to reality television. Yep. Which is um there are very few reality television shows that I watch now. Um, and also Daredevil Born Again on Disney Plus and Max HBO Max DC Max collaboration Penguin are shutting down for the duration of the writer strike as well. Wow. Um, because their writers are 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 picketing as well. So yeah, I mean the thing about Tribeca Chachi, all those films that, that are in the can and released, and it's just stuff that's coming out. You know, that's what's in danger, you know? That's what we have to worry about. But not only will reality television be safe, also um, game shows, Chachi. That should be safe. With the with the exception of, like, um, Maya Bialik, I think, with Solidaire, with SAG, she stepped down from Jeopardy, and Ken Jennings is the host. But now, iconic host the Wheel of Fortune, Pat Sajak. Will end his four-decade run. He's 76 years old, by the way. Yes, legend. Yes, this is a 41st season. That starting September will be his last. It's been a wonderful ride. I'll have more to say in the the coming months. So he didn't reveal 
the reason, but he is 76 years old. Um, then again, Alex Trebek was <laughs> was doing a Jeopardy until he passed away. But uh, I wonder if uh, Vanna White will stay on there. That's the major question. So the major question now is who will be the host, and will Vanna White um, stick around? Will they want some new blood? Which I kind of expect they would. But since they don't have a po- uh, a host um, announced yet, what about making Vanna White host? The host. Yeah, I wonder if she's you good know? enough to be a host. I don't know. I mean, she's I don't see the letters, you know? Yeah, no, I definitely don't. She's not going to turn them anymore. She's just tapping them. She used to turn them. Right, exactly. Now it's all she's digital. Not... Yeah. Digital, exactly. Exactly. She touches letters, yeah. But um, I mean, they should give her an audition. And, uh, yeah. But as you had sent me the article, Chachi, Ryan Seacrest is a candidate yeah. to take the reins. He loves taking over um, already successful shit. Exactly, dude. Like he took does. over Dick Clark's Rockin' New Year. He took over um, Casey Kasem's American Top 40 um, countdown. He just like. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's taking all of them. And of course, as you know, yeah. um, he did leave the live with Kelly and Ryan show. Um, yeah, yeah, he took over that too. That was already established. Yeah. The only thing yeah. new that really was on was American Idol. American Idol, now that it's uh, back on ABC. Absolutely. Um, he'd be a good host, but. Um, I mean, now that he's not doing live with with um, Ryan and Kelly anymore, or Kelly and Ryan for that matter, maybe he can handle Wheel of Fortune. I don't know. He he is a very busy man. Like you said, you wonder if he sleeps, right? I don't think he does. <laughs> Tosh, you got to Google Maggie Sajak. So Maggie Sajak, I, I was listening to Howard Stern, and he was talking about how hot um, Pat Sajak's daughter was and how Maggie should actually be considered as a host, but... I don't know. I feel like you should definitely go with an established look figure. I mean, she's kind of making waves and she, she oh, does. Um, oh my God. Maggie Sajak, dude. I mean, I mean, she's talented. You know, that'd be pretty cool because I mean, Pat Sajak wasn't really known. I don't think when he started hosting it. You're right. Yeah. But you know, it was a consummate host and <laughs> Howard Stern played a really funny clip about something about taking a cold shower and the contestant said, taking a gold shower. And then uh, uh, Sajak was like, uh, yeah, um, that's not correct. <laughs> Something like that. And I thought that was really funny. <laughs> oh, man. So I don't know. Seacrest could be good. Now, Whoopi Goldberg also threw in her hand. The host. Oh, God, no. You don't like uh, Whoopi as a possible? Uh, no, I don't think she could even spin the wheel. She said, I want that job. She confirmed. I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, she's already host of The View, so, if, you know, I guess if the studios are near each other in L.A., she could do both, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I say Vanna can do it. Why not let Vanna be the host and keeps that, uh, you know, keeps, uh, you know, kind of the memory of, of uh, Wheel of Fortune alive, you know? Exactly. So, um, and, um, yeah, wrapping up, um, so the... Dude, New York was a place to be this week, Jonathan, because not only the Tribeca Film Festival take place, the 76th Annual Tony Awards is the best in Broadway. Also took place on Sunday. Um, and uh, it's interesting because my buddy Vinnie Mac was like, yeah, you should try to crash the Tonys too since you're there. And he said the same thing when I was in Tribeca last year because they always choose, for whatever reason, Tribeca would be the same weekend as as that um, particular um, Tony Awards, I think because they want to, they're capitalizing on all the celebrities being in town. In town, right? Yeah. Yeah. So they're going to do both. And and 
the Tony Awards is only on one night, and Tribeca is like what, twelve days. So yeah, oh, yeah, um, yeah. Well, just some of the winners. Uh, best play is Leo Leopoldstald. Um, that's the big winner. Best musical is Kimberly Akimbo. Um, best revival of a play, which I was hoping would be the sign in Sydney Burson's window because the lovely Rachel Brosnahan, Oscar Isaac are in it, but it went to Suzanne Laurie Parks, top dog, underdog. Uh, the best revival of a music a musical goes to Parade. Um, leading actor in a play, Sean Hayes, Good Night. Leading actress in a play, Jodie Comer for Prima Facci. Of course, I was rooting for Jessica Chastain in The Doll's House. Because, again, you know, I'm going to root for the one that does Stage Door. Because apparently Jodie Comer does not do Stage Door at Prima Facci. She'll sign the playbills, but she will not take photos for with, with the fans in attendance. Which I think is kind of lame, you know. Jessica Chastain, she takes, the t- she takes her time to take a picture with every person that goes to Stage Door. You know. So that's what I love about Jessica Chastain. Um, actor in a leading role in a musical goes to Jay Harrison Gee. Some like it hot. Actress in a leading role musical, Victoria Clark, Kimberly Akimbo. Actor in a featured role in a play, Brandon Oranitz. And best actress in a featured role in a play, Miriam Silverman in The Sign of Sydney Brewston's Window. Interestingly enough, she won... But Rachel Brosnahan, who's the star, and Oscar Isaac, who's the star, did not win. So that's that's interesting, you know. Alex Newell, uh, best performance by an actor in a featured role musical, and Bonnie Milligan from Kimberly Akimbo wins best performance by an actress in a featured role in a musical. So there you go. That's just some of the few awards right there. Um, on the Me Too side of things, Tanakh Huerta, remember him from Black Panther, Wakanda Forever? As you know, he was Namor, Namor. Uh, apparently, um, he's denying accusations of sexual assault made by a musician, a Mexican musician and activist, Maria Elena Rios, who had been in a relationship for a few months. Apparently, she made accusations, um basically called him a sexual predator and responded in an affirmative when asked by another Twitter user if Huerta assaulted her. She later shared screenshots of hateful messages sent to her after she made her claims. So, um, you know what? It's it's crazy because these high-profile comic book movies, you know, like, you know, this Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, of course, Namor being one of the biggest characters in Marvel. And then you have Kang the Conqueror, played by Jonathan Major, getting into alleged domestic disputes. It's like, it's crazy because uh, you are given a role and you have to be accountable for your actions. And uh, granted, we don't know the truth, but, uh, you know, like Ezra Miller, they got to keep their shit together, man. You know, they're in a major tentpole film, but these people are fucking up their, you know, possibly having a, a future career, you know, with these indiscretions. You know what I mean? Got it. Got it, Chachi. But, you know, Chachi, we do end with rest in pieces. Yes. Yeah, unfortunately, yes. Yes, we do. Um, we have lost some folks. Um, 
Actor Treat Williams, very sad. Um, he was known for his lead performance in the musical Hair. He starred in the WB series Everwood. He was in a motorcycle accident near Dorset, Vermont. He was 71 years old. And apparently um, Vermont State Police reported a road closure near Dorset due to the motor vehicle accident. And he was transferred to the Albany Medical Center in Albany. And sadly, he did not survive. Damn. Um, yeah. I'm not super, super familiar with his work, but he did appear. And I remember his role. He was in We Own the City, which uh, was on HBO recently. Um, he's had many, many roles, man. Just uh, uh, never would he was Dr. Andy Brown, a neurosurgeon who relocates his family to rural Colorado after the death of his wife. So rest in peace, Treat Williams. And this one's uh, probably sad for um, Mike the General Zod and everyone that loves the comic book legends. John Ramita Sr. He's the groundbreaking comic book artist who co-created some of the most influential characters in Marvel Comics history. Passed away at the age of 93. He was... He did, he did Wolverine, of, right? Yes, that's right. Yeah. He, um, he would later co-create the mutant Wolverine, the criminal... Overlord Kingpin as well, and the vigilante anti-hero, the Punisher. So uh, he was also the lead artist on Amazing Spider-Man. Um, and his son is John Romita Jr., who's a, another established artist. So it's, uh, um, yeah. So rest in peace, John Romita Sr., age of 93. And this last one, Chachi, um, happened right after we wrapped the show last week. Um, he is somebody who's appeared on BTB. He is a WWE Hall of Famer. He is one of the um, the most colorful, most entertaining um, WWE legends. And the definitely Irish, a legend. Yes, Shiki uh, baby. Shiki uh, baby. His real name is Hossein Pastro Ali Vazare. And I really think that him bearing Hulk Hogan was just an extension of his character in WWE because. Hulk Hogan actually, you know, shared a heartfelt tweet, you know, about him, about um, about the Iron Sheik's passing, you know. So that leads me to believe that maybe he was just keeping the gimmick of the of him having a rival with Hulk Hogan, you know. I think so. Yeah. You think so? You think that's what it is, man? I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. I think, yeah, I think he mentioned good things about Hogan in, in the past. Okay. Yeah, it's certainly really, really sad, man. Um, he was very colorful. He was a constant guest on Howard Stern show. He was a guest on Below the Belt show. And if if there is some way I can find that interview, I would like to, <laughs> so we can uh possibly get that on the archive shows for sure. Um, yeah, I was really sad when I heard that because he was one of the legends that actually continued living after a lot of his people that came up that came up with him passed away exactly yeah yeah so like i mean there's hogan there's hillbilly jim ricky steamboat not that many, many left now yeah tito santana's still around but the majority from that era are, coco beware coco beware are still with us thank god yeah 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 um and a lot of them are wwe hall of famers so um so rest in peace iron chic Street Williams and John Romita Sr. Definitely. Uh, with death, we celebrate life. Um, congratulations to actress Naomi Watts and Billy Crudup. They uh, just got married. 
Also, Orange is the New Black star Uzo Oduba is pregnant. She was nominated for a Tony Award last year for her work in the play Clydes. Oh. She's 42 years old, so um, that's good. Good for her. It's good that she uh, is going to be a mother for the first time. And, of course, uh, for those, another trip around the sun, Chachi. Um, legendary actress Marla Gibbs. Remember her? Um, she is yeah. 92. 92. Good for her. Happy birthday, Marla Gibbs. A legend. Yes. Singer Boy George of Culture Club is 62. Wow. Bad. I know, right? Actor Yasmin Bleef is no boy anymore. <laughs> I know. He's right. no boy no more. It's 60-something, right? Yeah. Of course, if you're a fan of Baywatch, you remember uh, Yasmin Bleef. Yasmin Bleef is 55. My God. I, I had a huge crush on her like, um, back you in did? the day. Yeah. yeah, 55 years old now, man. Wow. Actor Faison Love is 55. Um, J.R. Martinez, I remember interviewing him at Sundance with uh, Johnny Alonzo um, and R.J. Mitty, who played uh, Walter White's son on Breaking Bad. They were together. We did an interview in tandem. That was really cool. But happy birthday, J.R. Martinez. He's 40. Kevin McHale, remember him from Glee? He was the the guy in the wheelchair in Glee. And when we talked to yeah. him at the White House Correspondents Dinner, he was like, "Yeah, if Glee came out today, I wouldn't have been cast. They would have cast. Oh yeah, an actor. yeah, yeah. They would have yeah. cast an actor that was already disabled." He, he yeah. said that. And I, you know, I was I was kind of glad that he, he said that. You know, it was like he's kind of. Um, but it told me a, a scoop that he might not have, uh, might not have shared with other people. Who knows? The beautiful Lucy Hale from Pretty Little Liars is 34, and that's birthdays today, guys. Happy birthday. So, Chachi, this was a two-man show, and I intentionally wanted it to be a two-man show. So those that like to talk and talk and talk, and we know we're not going to name any names, right, Chachi? Yes, I know. People who like to talk and talk and talk uh, are some of the reasons why the show goes to the midnight hours. Yeah, and, and we still ended late anyways. Yeah, we did have some technical issues, <laughs> but uh, nonetheless, um, Chachi, we're ending with a great interview. A oh, legend in the voice world. This is Chachi. This is actually an 80s inspired show, Chachi, because it is. I love that. We had we had Millie Vanilli at the midpoint with classic cut with Rob, um, not Rob, uh, Fab Marvan. And now, Chachi, you talk to voice legend Peter Cullen. This guy was the voice of our childhood in the Transformers animated series. And has had a career for four decades voicing Optimus Prime through all the movies. It's yeah. crazy. And it was a great interview, Chachi, wasn't it? Well, thank you. Yeah. All right. And on behalf. So on behalf, I guess, of Chachi McFly. Great times. Thank 80s, you. I'm Al Soto, a.k.a. Celebrity Soto. We will see you next time. Until then. Peace. Peace. Guys, we're here at Fan Expo, and I'm excited. This is the icon of the 80s, 90s, today. All throughout the years, you might know him best as the voice of Optimus Prime. This is Peter Cohen. Peter, how are you doing? Very well. Thank you very much for asking. <laughs> You've been a legend in the voiceover um, industry, and you know, mostly Optimus Prime. How did you get involved in voicing that iconic character? Well, let's see. I went to an audition. <laughs> they... Uh, I had no idea what it was all about. The, the, the Transformers was so inventive and, you know, an amazing introduction for children, you know, to the uh, automation world and, you know, 
toys that weren't just stuffed dolls. I mean, they they moved and they became part of the family, and uh, they were so. It, it was really a fortunate time in my life too, because I I had uh, I had my brother living with me at the time. He was in the Marine Corps, and okay. I, I was on my way to an audition. He asked me, he said, "Peter, where are you going?" And I <laughs> I said, "I I need the car. I've got a I'm going to audition for." Uh, he said, what? He said, a truck. <laughs> so I, and he laughed, just like you did. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, I said, no, Larry, he, he's a, he's a, uh, a hero truck. Yeah. And his demeanor just changed immediately. He, he looked at me and said, in this voice, he said, Peter, if you're going to be a hero, be a real hero. Oh, wow. <laughs> don't be a pretend tough guy. You know, be strong enough to be gentle. And the tone of his voice just lingered in me. I got to the audition. I opened my mouth up reading the script that was there, and it could have been, my name is Larry Cullen, instead of <laughs> my name is Optimus Prime. Right. And it's been that way ever since. I see, I modeled the character after uh, my brother Larry. That was great. Was wow. K Company, 3rd Battalion, 5th Marines. Sounds like a badass. Yeah. yeah. He was a good ass. Awesome, yeah. awesome, awesome. The best. So, um, obviously, you got you got that great role. Did you have any idea it was going to last, you know, now, like, 40 years later? Like, oh, no. Yeah. No, because in 1986, yeah. the movie, they, you know, they put... He died. Me, <laughs> yeah, he died. Okay, you're quite lost. <laughs> he died, so I said... You know, but they had to bring me back on a couple of uh, shows, you know, to... To what? get the kids yeah. to come out from under the bed and uh, in the closets. I heard it was a huge um, backlash when he died. Yeah, yeah. that's what I... Uh, now, did you think it, you were done at that point when you, they killed oh, off yeah, your character? I was move on, go right. somewhere else, do it. Uh, and I was working at the time. I think I was working with Frank Welker uh, on, a, on another series. But Frank was in everything under the sun, you know. I mean, he's, one of, he's the greatest voiceover man in the, in the world. But we... Uh, I think we were working on Mighty Man and Yuck at that time. I can't remember. It's uh, but you know, I know, I forget. <laughs> <laughs> now, so many people, like so many times, they reboot a series, they make a, a live-action series based on the cartoon. They get all new voices to do the characters. But they brought you back because they're going to be one Optimus Prime. Was there any kind of question of them bringing you back for the movie, or were you always going to be the voice? Of the live-action movie. Oh, I had to audition. You know, audition for your for your I own. Had to wow. For the character that I created. Yeah. <laughs> but that's that's Hollywood. You know, it's nothing's easy that way. But uh, I auditioned for Michael Bay in the in the movie. It was uh, it was a little disconcerting. You know. Yeah. It, it, why, why am I here? I, I said, well, you're here to play Optimus Prime, you fool. <laughs> what not? What else are you going to do? I said, so. But it was awkward, and uh, nonetheless, I think the real reason, uh, because Michael Bay didn't know anything about the Transformers, yeah. but it was the internet, and it was the, the kids that watched, you know, from day one. They were responsible for Paramount and Michael Bay paying attention to Optimus Prime as me, mm -hmm. and uh, for that I am extremely grateful and uh, I acknowledge my fans back then as I do today. I, uh, we're, a, we're a family and we feel we feel it together. And there's something really, really special about the Optimus Prime fandom. And uh, I send my 
my love out to everyone. Every one of you. I love you, man. Well, final question. I guess anything you can tell us about the new movie at all? Like, what can we expect? Top Nothing. secret. Top secret. Top it's coming secret. out soon. What, what's the date? Uh, you know? 9th. 9th? Yep. Coming June out. 9th. June 9th. Autobots transform <laughs> and roll out. <laughs> yes. Hey, can you just let us know who you are? You're, you're listening to Below the Belt Show. And oh. You're listening to Below the Belt Show and maybe do it in your Optimus Prime voice. Chachi? You don't need to say Chachi, just say the Below the Belt Show. Below the Belt Show. Yeah, and tell, say who you are. Yeah. My name is Optimus Prime, and this is Below the Belt Show. Eat your heart out, Megatron. That's Roll it. out. Peter Collin, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Well, it has been a ill show tonight, and I think we have all learned some valuable lessons. This is your bot for the bad boys of Baltimore saying, Until next time, keep chilling. Like a villain. Bye, goodbye, 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 goodbye.